Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the scoreboard. It is Wednesday, November 7th. I, 8th, excuse me. I am Terrence Holton, joined here with my co-hosts, Nolan Ezzett and Crash Collier. And guys, possibly the biggest news of USC football since the hiring of Lincoln Riley and transferring of Caleb Williams. USC defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is out. My prayers have been answered. He's gone. I'm excited about this. I almost passed out in the village of pure excitement when I heard the news. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I remember I was at lunch with uh, my friend and I just saw him. I'm like, oh gosh, uh, Grinch is out. I'm like, let's go. Although I think, honestly, I mean, I think it was a change was needed, but I still think there are probably a lot more issues that need to be solved that even just the changing of a defensive coordinator won't be able to fix right away. It's definitely going to take time, but I think it is a start. Yeah, for sure. I want to personally take credit for some of this firing Grinch because last week my dad came up, my dad and mom came up for the Washington game. My dad has a few friends who went to UW, so we took my mom up. He took some of his friends up that went to UW, had a little tailgate. And right before I left to go to the student section, when I was hanging out with my dad, he gave me a little plushie, a, a Grinch plushie, <laughs> and I brought wow. it to the game. They, they let me take it in, and every time Washington scored on us, which was a lot, Whole they lot. did put up 52 points. I would take that Grinch, I would punch him, I would like slam him against the, the, the chair in front of me. I'd let other people just punch him. He took a beating. He took a beating. I'm honestly surprised that it's still intact, but just a day or two after that, Grinch is gone, so I, I I hate to take the credit, but you know what, Nolan? I'm actually going to jump on this credit with you because about nine months ago, I wrote an article right after the Tulane game calling for Grinch's firing, and you know it would make sense that Lincoln Riley finally read some of my stuff and realized Grinch has got to go. So you know I'm going to jump on that with you. So let's talk about let's talk about some possible replacements for Grinch because I've got a few guys in mind who I'd like to see coaching the Trojans. Who else do you guys have? Let's just eliminate the obvious one that everyone seems to be calling for, which is uh, Jim Leonhard. Notably, Why is that? Well, he's just because of his ties to the Big Ten, and he was he filled in for Paul Christ after, is that how you said Chris, I think? Sorry. Paul Christ at Wisconsin after, after Paul Christ was fired, and then now he's currently working as a senior defensive analyst at Illinois, and he's clearly the name everyone wants. But I think just even though he did – a really good job there. I think let's just eliminate him because I feel like that's probably one we've all got on our list. Yeah, that was, that, that was okay. It's that's not so, much, it's not so much like let's fair, eliminate yeah. him from the discussion because absolutely not. It was more everyone's talking about him. I don't. I feel like it's unfair. It's more like who talks first gets him. So let's just totally eliminate fair, that one. Totally that fair. was that was more what I meant. It was nothing like that, you know. But yeah, in terms of uh, coordinates I looked up, I was looking at that article The Athletic posted, and I found a couple that I found really interesting. I think that uh, I think Joe Rossi at Minnesota, I think it, what he's done and moved Minnesota being a top 10 defense, I think that just shows that uh, they've been consistently good defensively, so therefore uh, I think that could be a really good option for the Trojans to have. And especially with USC moving to the Big Ten, I think that is a good option for them. Someone who knows how teams play and kind of that way, uh, that style of it too. And then another option I saw is uh, Joe uh, Harasimiak, uh, the defensive coordinator at Rutgers. And I think also a good option because he's Big Ten and especially as Rutgers has improved a lot this year. It just shows that their defense has gotten a lot better. They're number 10 in the nation in total defense, number two in fewest plays of 20 yards or more allowed. So I think it just shows that 
right that those two options those guys know how big 10 teams plays they know big 10 defenses usc could really use that as a transition to the big 10 next fall I, I like both of those guys. I've been eyeing both of them. One one that I really like is Tony Gibson out of NC State. I heard though. I like that one too. One one thing that USC has, we ha- USC has a ton of talent defensively. Not as much as offensively, but nonetheless, there's a lot of talent on that team, which NC State doesn't have as much of, obviously. The Trojans, every time I'm at a game, it feels like on first and second down, with the exception of a few big plays, they're usually doing a decent job at holding the other team. It's the third downs that kill the Trojans. There is no third and long situation where I'm confident that the Trojans are going to hold the other team. Tony Gibson has led NC State to the ninth overall uh, third down defense. And overall, last season, NC State was 12th defensively, which is just shocking considering the recruits that NC State is getting is nothing phenomenal. This year, they've they've taken a little bit of a dip, 34th in the nation. But nonetheless, I think Tony Gibson has a really 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 good future at usc if, if he were to come here the third down defense would 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 just be spectacular yeah i'm gonna throw out a few other names crash i know the athletic article you're talking about i read that as well so one name nolan you were talking about it uh earlier before you're we on the air coach ed orgeron i think that one's a long shot but if the trojans were to land orgeron i mean no five-star recruit from southern california would be leaving would not go to the trojans i mean he's an incredible recruiter he utilizes talent fantastically. I mean, he'd be a great land. I do think the personalities of him and Lincoln Riley would kind of clash. But is, is he even looking to come back to USC? Exactly. I guess the problem, especially no. with kind of the way that his exit kind of came, because remember it was kind of a bitter exit for him. Because I think so. Yeah. Remember they did really well. They won the Rose Bowl. I think the team even like stormed the Coliseum after. I think it was Notre Dame they beat. I remember watching this on TV. I don't. And he was all excited, and then suddenly I'm talking to my dad. He's like. Origin, the coach, like, no, they give it to Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and then another name I'm going to throw out is uh, Trojan's rival, DeAnton Lynn from UCLA, defensive coordinator. In one year with the Bruins, he has turned their defense around. It is a fantastic defense. I mean, they're arguably top 10 in the country. They're the number two rushing offense. I mean, in UCLA, they have some stars, but with the talent the Trojans have, I mean, Bear Alexander, other guys like that, he could make that team into a fantastic defense. And, like, I truly believe that he is, like, a sleeper pick, honestly, and I think he'd be a fantastic hire, especially it would be so great to stick it to UCLA and just, like, steal their defensive coordinator after one year. be incredible. I'd like to go back to the topic of, of Coach O at Orgeron because, on one hand, he was never a great defensive mind. You're not bringing him in as the best defensive coordinator in the country. Yeah. I mean, all of his teams were offensive. Granted, his teams had a better defense than than all of Lincoln Riley's teams. He he didn't he wasn't bad defensively by any means, but but he was an offensive mind. Bringing him as a defensive coordinator wouldn't make as much sense. That's more of an excuse just to bring in such it's a true. great mind as as Ed Orgeron. Really, the ideal situation is we bring in one of the defensive coordinators we've been talking about right now, in addition to Ed Orgeron as. Something special we, assistant, we, something we like up, that. Recruiting, like some, in some capacity, that they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, exactly. Something, exactly. yeah, some like kind of ridiculous position, but just overall makes the recruiting so much better. Exactly. He's he's he just we want him there. Makes playing at USC that much more attractive. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, so let's talk about the game that eventually led to Grinch's undoing, the Washington game where the Trojans were thumped, fifty-two to forty-two. I'm not gonna say thumped because it was pretty off back and forth. 
The shootout. I mean, shootout, exactly. But really, I mean, Washington, they took control of that game late in the game and just kind of ran away with it, literally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dylan Johnson just went off. And I remember I've said, USC better be prepared for the run game. UW looked to exploit it. And I called it. And even though Dylan Johnson hasn't exactly had much, uh, hasn't really been averaging over 100 yards a game, he might have hit it once, I think it was. He had 256 rushing yards on 26 carries, four touchdowns. He was definitely, I mean, he was definitely the player of the game for that one. And I think that just shows that UW did their homework. They studied the Trojans' weaknesses and just went all in on that. And that's not even counting the damage Michael Penix Jr. did, too. Yeah. I mean, sorry, really quick, Nolan. We were talking about it last week, how we thought Penix might go for 600 yards or 500 yards. I mean, the the UW offense almost went for 600 yards. It was like 570 or something. It was a crazy amount. Yeah, there's over 1,000. I mean, just even like when you add in USC's numbers, both teams were just piling up your offensive yardage. There's like over 1,000 on the whole game. That just shows how dominantly strong the offenses were. And as as great as the offensive play was on USC's behalf, led by Caleb Williams, who it looks like he finally returned to his usual self. Caleb Williams looked very, very good. He didn't have as much passing volume as he, he did in many games last season, but he was very efficient. One thing that I really need to see from him more, though, is taking care of that ball. He had a crucial fumble at the end of the first half. I want to say he's fumbled three straight games now. I, yeah, I, I, I believe right. so. That three straight right. games. Caleb Williams needs to take better care of the ball. During that game, the Trojans started out with the ball. So obviously the second half, Washington's going to get the ball. Picture this. You're tied 28-28, knowing that this game is a shootout, knowing that it's probably going to be a game where the, the team that ends with the ball is probably going to reign victorious. It's tied 28-28. There's about a minute, maybe a minute and a half left in the first half. You're tied. The other team is getting the ball to start the second half. You know you need to score. You can't go into the second half tied because you know that Washington's going to get that ball. They're going to drive down. They're going to score, and they're going to have that lead. You need to make it 35-28 before the first half is over. And what happens? Caleb Williams fumbles the ball, and then Washington gets possession, and they turn at 35-28 in their favor knowing that they were going to get the ball to start the second half. That is just inexcusable. Yeah, I mean, that game, it was, from an objective fan standpoint, it was a fantastic game. I mean, three total stops. It's just pure entertainment. What really stuck out to me, though, I mean, obviously, Crash, you were talking about it. Dylan Johnson, he looked like prime Barry Sanders. Yeah. I mean, he kind of just waltzed into the end zone every single play. It felt like he was going untouched. And, I mean, that's kind of partially why Grinch was fired, in my opinion, because, like, there were so many plays where he just, like, walked straight through the line and like scored yeah I was just like come on do something get a stop meanwhile I'm at the game with my high school friend who is currently at Washington he came down we were sitting together in the USC student section he was just enjoying himself immensely every time Johnson touched the ball yeah I mean that game it was just brutal to watch I mean it was fun don't get me wrong it's a great game it was a great game but that game, you can really pinpoint it to three p- plays that the Trojans lost to. Usually there's lots of plays where you can say, you can point to that and say, that's where we lost the game. There were three plays, in my opinion, that the Trojans lost, like where they lost the ball. I mean, the first one, Nolan, you mentioned it, the Caleb Williams fumble at the end of the half. 
And then late fourth quarter, Trojans have the chance to take the lead for the first time since the second quarter, I believe. And Deuce Robinson holding, takes back the Taj Washington touchdown, and then Caleb Williams is sacked the next play, yeah. taking the Trojans out of field goal range, and that lost them the game. Yeah, game. they're forced to punt. Yeah, so that was kind of brutal. Um, overall, it was a great game, but you know what? Maybe that game was for the better because Grinch was fired. So, I mean, of course, the Trojans dropped out of AP and CFP polls. They dropped out of everything. Everything, yeah. I think the coaches, too. But, um, yeah. Yeah, brutal game. Absolutely. It really was a brutal game, especially knowing that Obviously, you're not going to be able to stop Michael Penix. Michael Penix looks like he probably will win the Heisman Trophy. You you know that you can't stop him. We actually forced a pick. Great. Like Impressive, that's, that's yeah. almost yeah. the best that we could expect from our secondary, really. But when you're giving up 256 yards on the ground to Dylan Johnson, four rushing touchdowns against a team that ranks near the bottom of the Pac-12. Going into that game 117th in the country in rush yards. Completely awful. Now, granted, of course, Washington is a pass-heavy team just because they have Michael Penix. So I will, I will give Dylan Johnson credit. It's not like he is a bad running back by any means. They just prefer they opt, to. They opt to throw. They, they, they why wouldn't they? The guy's got a gun for an, not, not a gun, not a gun, a cannon for an arm. And two of the best receivers in the Pac-12. I mean, exactly. realistically, Jalen Polk and Ro, Roma Dunze are going to be the first-team Pac-12 player wide receivers, in my opinion. It's 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 a great passing offense, but Absolutely. still, their rushing game was never wildly efficient until you play the USC Trojans, and then it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone looks like a prime, you know, Bo Jackson, uh, Barry Sanders when they played against the Trojans. And now, speaking against teams who will run all over the Trojans, let's talk about Oregon this next week. You guys know this game is personal for me. I grew up a huge Ducks fan. I've told Crash this. I was a huge Ducks fan. Hated the Trojans till the day I got in here. This game is personal to me. Yeah, same. It's personal to me. So, yes. And, yes, I know we're quoting Deion Sanders now, too. That's become (laughs) the quote of college football this season. But my aunt went to Oregon. So, we're going together, sitting together. I said this last semester, and I will say it again right now. Family blood will spill in the Collier household this weekend. I don't have as much in this game as you guys do. <laughs> I couldn't really care less about Oregon. All I know is that you guys are heading out to watch what's probably going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to be sitting at home, probably turning my TV off in, in the second quarter, <laughs> watching, like you said, Terrence, a team that is going to run all over the Trojans. Oregon's averaging over 200 rushing yards a game. My Lord. <laughs> what would you set the over-under at for... Um, for, for Oregon's total rushing yards against USC. UW had 313 total rush yards last game, so I don't even know, man. More than that, at least. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, especially when you got Bucky Irving, very capable runner. Jordan James, their power back. Absolutely. Bo- not, and then also, Bo Nix, also Nicks. very capable of one, using his legs to run. rushing quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean, this game, like I said, it's very personal. My friends have also made this, made uh, being a Trojan fan a living nightmare for me. Shout out Eli Kohler and Jack Argood for specifically for uh, them ruining my fandom. But um, I mean, it's really, it's, this game is going to be brutal. I'm going to be honest. I mean, it's also going to be like 50 and raining. That's terrible for the Trojans in Eugene. Yeah. Saying they have, yeah, my aunt was not happy when the USC got announced, this game got announced as a 730 kickoff. (laughs) Yeah, because I, of because of the weather, I was thinking, oh, LA weather, no problem. She's like, this is not LA crash. Yeah. <laughs> Can one of you guys talk briefly about 
what this offensive line is like for Oregon because USC's only real consistent contributor defensively is their pass rush. And I'm looking right now. Bo Nix has been sacked four times this year. Oh, my Lord. Caleb Williams has been sacked 27 times for reference. Bo Nix, four times. What in the world is this offensive line? And can the Trojans' pass rush get by it? No. Um, the o- Oregon O-line has always been a staple of them. I mean, they have an All-American center in Jackson Powers Johnson. I would kill for this offensive line. If you give Caleb Williams the time in the pocket that Bo Nix gets, oh my gosh, he'd be even greater. Um, they're going to, the O-line, I mean, I, I'm hoping that the Trojans D-line can really kind of take, um, get past their Bear Alexander, bounce back, you know, but I'm, it's concerning that our best aspect will be playing against arguably the Ducks' best aspect mm-hmm. in their offensive line, so I'm concerned. Well, also, it's as we've talked about for um, like a few, we've talked about multiple times in past shows, is that uh, the USC offensive line is still new to it. New, the guys in the offensive line are new to each other. They still haven't exactly fully gelled. That was evident in the Notre Dame game. That's been evident kind of ever since then. And it takes time, and especially when you don't, when really you're only only two of the five guys have played with each other and they're in different spots and Justin Dietrich and Jonah Monheim and everyone else is new, most notably after Brett Nealon and Andrew Voorhees have moved on to the NFL, it's going to take time and especially USC's showing they still need time. Unfortunately, time isn't really on their side if they want to win uh, their final two games. What really scares me about this matchup is it looks like everything that USC has gone against all in one. You ha- Oregon is such a well-balanced team, offensively and defensively, and they match up so well against the Trojans. You take a team like Utah that is really strong defensively, but oftentimes struggles to move the ball. Granted, not against the Trojans. Again, against the not. Trojans, these are all exceptions. They're all going to move on us. But, but in general, well, Utah like with, is, Yeah, just looking at Utah's team generally speaking. Generally, Utah is not a great offense. Washington, in general, is not a great defense. You you have all these teams that we've played, that the Trojans have played, and Oregon just encapsulates the best aspects of all of them, and they match up so well against the Trojans. I am scared for this game. Yeah, I mean, the Ducks, they're playing like the best team in the Pac-12. I mean, Washington, obviously, still top of the standings. The Ducks are playing like a top four team in the country right now. Everyone's saying that. What was John? John Wilner believes that if they played each other 10 times, the Ducks would take seven. I mean, but then again, however, UW might have something else to say. Hypothetically speaking, Washington, Oregon, and up in the Pac-12, UW could just pull what Utah pulled on USC last year. I'm going to be honest, that won't happen. I think if Oregon is hungry to get back into the Pac-12 championship, I think if they got on neutral ground with UW, they're going to kick their butts. I'm going to be honest. I just we'll, think, especially yeah. the way UW's been playing. True, yeah. We'll just see. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you t- everyone was thinking USC was going to win last year, and look what happened. I'm not trying to say, I'm true, not trying to, true. I'm not trying to discredit Washington at all, but I'm just saying, like, or Oregon, but I'm just saying, it'll just be interesting to see if that's the matchup we get in the Pac 12 championship. Hopefully, USC is getting a shot at that, raising that trophy. Yeah. So, what do you, okay, realistically, the whole consensus here, we don't think or USC has a chance, right? I mean, realistically, we don't think that. Unless there is a defensive miracle. Yeah. Unless Christmas is saved, which I'm sure it's not. 
Yeah, let's be realistic. The yeah, Trojans I mean, winning. what do they, in that off chance, you just said a defense, like Christmas miracle, uh, Grinch is gone, you never know. <laughs> um, what do the Trojans do have to do to win this game? Because I, th- I have an idea, but I want to hear what you guys think first. I've got a list of receipts that looks like a, a receipt from Costco. I don't want to share all of them. And there's so many obvious ones. There's so many non-obvious ones. But just to sum it up, I mean, first of all, offensively, the Trojans, I, I'm okay with how the Trojans played, at least against Washington. There, there are a few things that, that the Trojans need to fix up. But in general, the only thing that I can really ask for is, other than, than a better offensive line, which that can't change in a week, the only thing that I'm really going to ask for is for Caleb Williams to not have any crucial turnovers. That's the only thing offensively. I think offensively as well, or and defensively too, USC needs to cut down on penalties. Like we Absolutely. saw with that, yeah, that's with that Deuce that's Robinson good. holding that killed that Taj Washington touchdown pass, and then Caleb was sacked to play later. But, I mean, even aside from just mistakes, I mean, Mason Cobb did sound very optimistic and motivated and was trying to rally the guys, and especially as a team captain. That's kind of his job. And he spoke with the media after practice yesterday. So I'd like to play a, one thing he said to the media because I think it was really powerful and just showed that how um ever, how he's trying to rally everyone, keep them motivated despite the pretend – Despite, you know, there only being two games left and wanting them to finish right. Yeah, I mean, today, man, guys are, guys are fighting, right? I, mean, it's just, I think guys understand, man, we don't have many options. We have to go to work every day, and that's how I kind of brought us all together, you know, free practice. Why, why not run around? Why not go around and, and hit people and fly around, be, be loud? Man? And you're here, you're in, you're in California, man. You got two more games, guys are killed to be in a position. Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember years of growing up, and, this is a dream right here. Why would I lay down for what? For, for you know, because something didn't go the way I wanted to. No. I, I was raised that way, um, and I'm gonna keep preaching to the guys. But we got two more games, but we got to finish right. You so said you gathered guys before practice. Oh yeah, I brought them. I brought the defense all together. Just told them, hey, what are you gonna do? Tuck your toe or whatever. So yeah, I think that just shows how uh, he's ready. He's trying to get everyone motivated to play better, especially, and is hopefully. And says that he has a lot of trust in interim co-defensive coordinators Sean Nua and Brian Odom in helping the Trojans play better defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think I, this is just me being optimistic because I really want the Trojans to win. I've been saying since the start, we can lose any game we want, any game in the season. If USC beats Oregon, I will be happy. So maybe this is just me being optimistic. But I think if the Trojans can go up early, it will force Oregon, like, you know, two touchdowns, something like that. Hard to do. If they can do that, it will force Oregon to throw. And in my opinion, Bo Nix is not that good of a thrower. He's fine. He's not great at it. I think check down merchant, in my opinion. Wide you don't receiver think Bo Nix is a good thrower? I'm just my opinion. I think he is that a is wide a receiver. Very hot. <laughs> I think he's a wide receiver screen merchant who lets his playmakers do what they want. Looks like Jimmy Garoppolo, you think? Yes, great take. Um, but I just think if they can force the Ducks to throw, then USC can win this game. They can force them to try and throw because he will make mistakes. Bo Nix will make mistakes. He just will. So True. I think it's possible. True. I mean, maybe it's maybe he hasn't thrown too many long passes, but he only has two interceptions on the year. So I get what you're saying, Terrence, but it's like it's hard to look at that and be like when he's not when he's only thrown two interceptions on the year. It's very true. Yeah. So it's like I feel like when you've only thrown that, regardless of how you're throwing passes, it clearly means either they've been incomplete or your guys are or your targets are catching them. I think the keys to the game that I have lay on the same foundation as you have, Terrence, which is that if the Trojans can look 
good on defense and at least against the run game and and obviously let Caleb do his thing if especially if the Trojans get off to an early lead and force Oregon to pass I have more faith in Caleb Williams and Taj Washington and co than I do in Bo Nix yeah that's if we can force Oregon to play our game I'm confident in the Trojans' abilities. Yeah. I think USC also needs to take advantage of the running game, too. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd was out against the Huskies. However, I'm, Austin Jones did step up. And I, what? Oh, no, no, nothing. Sorry. And I think that they, if they can find that that's working, they should also capitalize on that, too. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if Lloyd plays because he's a huge part of the offense. Yeah. And I know I was skeptical of Austin Jones last week, but he actually had a pretty solid game. Played I'll well. give him credit. It he seems did. like anytime I criticize him, he kind of steps up, so maybe yeah. he's listening, but regardless, I'll get tip my hat to Jones for stepping up and filling in for Lloyd. However, I think Lloyd's presence definitely brings the Trojans' offense to another level. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about something truly optimistic with USC Sports. Let's talk about men's and women's basketball who started their season off with a bang, both of them. So let's talk on the women's side first. USC took down the number 7 Ohio State Buckeyes, 83-74, to I mean, what a start for the uh, women of Troy. Absolutely. I mean, I was able to watch, I think, maybe about three quarters to about half that game after I got out of class early on Monday. And I, my first impression when I got on there was Juju Watkins. Oh, my gosh. She was absolutely bawling. I mean, 32 points in your collegiate debut. Who does that? That just already shows she is st- – on fire right now and is a huge asset to the Trojans and just created definitely something that's going to be really exciting to watch. And honestly, because I'm we're going out to Oregon on, I mean, for Oregon on Friday, I'm really bummed I have to miss the women's home opener. Yeah, look, Juju Watkins was incredible. She is all the hype that she's received during the offseason. Just her and Isaiah Collier, one of the... I mean, the most hyped-up prospect this this year, being obviously compared to him, partially because obviously they're they're at the same school, but nonetheless, she's received so much hype, and she honestly exceeded that. She who, really did. Who in the world does that in her debut, leading a relatively unproven basketball school in in USC? Granted, USC has has been improving over the over the recent years, but still somewhat of a no-name basketball school uh, effectively com- you know when, when you're in, in company of a number seven ranked Ohio State team leading leading a Trojan team over the Buckeyes is just phenomenal in a debut I also want to add keep in mind she's got Rhea Marshall who's also proven herself as one of the best players in the country too and she kind of fully overshadowed Marshall yeah I was about to say crash Rhea Marshall, a cool 17 rebounds, 18 points on 9 for 14 from the field. Are you kidding? I mean, so, like this duo is going to be phenomenal. I know. It's, it's going to be so fun. I know, yeah. I'm already looking forward, forward to seeing more of them. I'm definitely like, as soon as I'm back from Oregon, I am hell-bent on making that game on Monday against LeMoyne. <laughs> yeah. All right. And th- moving to the men's side, the men's side was also a fun game, beating Kansas State 82-69. to I mean, Kansas State unranked. I think that they are better than they should have uh, been ranked. ranked. I think they they're a let's good. Just, ranked let's team. just say it. Well, they should have been ranked. They should have been ranked. But I mean, let, Isaiah Collier, you know, when you're just talking about him, in, in the first half of his first, of his college debut, 15 points, ended with 18. He fouled out a little early. But I mean, 
phenomenal start for the freshman too. Absolutely. I mean, I think you saw, like, I think he's still getting used to uh, having to play in college. I think you could kind of see him getting a little tired at times. And I'm not blaming, I'm not holding that on. It's his first game in college. I mean, I wouldn't, I still, it still doesn't take away from the game he played, but it just shows he's like, but still, I think it was just obviously still impressive to watch him come out and play really solid basketball in his collegiate debut. But the guy who really was, went off was Boogie Alice. Let's just get to that right now. 24 points. Boogie was just Boogie. I don't know if there's any other way to describe him on the basketball court. And I think he was just phenomenal. And I think between the between Collier, Ellis, this team's going to go far this year. Yeah, Ellis was electric from beyond the arc. He, he made three for seven three-pointers. Also, eight rebounds. Great to see yeah. such, a, such a small guy being aggressive, getting on the boards. I also do want to mention briefly, Josh Morgan had five blocks, which doesn't even surprise me that much getting to watch him start. last year. But just still, Josh Morgan, so great defensively. And that's what I really love about this team is this team is so well-balanced. You've got guys like Kobe Johnson who are just very, very good offensively and defensively. You've also got offensive minds like Boogie Ellis, and then you've also just got defensive stars like Josh Morgan. This USC team is so well-balanced. You almost want to say that the that the inhibiting factor could be the head coach in Andy Enfield. Nothing against Enfield. I think he's a very underrated coach. But when you've got a lineup like this, the worst part of it to me is the head coach, which is crazy to say because for a while now we've been saying Enfield is what is revitalizing, not even revitalizing because this team has never, this USC basketball team has never been anything. Andy Enfield has brought life into this team, and I think his players have now exceeded him. Mm, fair. I mean, although, and like you're saying, I mean, there's times where Enfield's kind of been, you know, taking the spotlight, especially I think we saw it in 2021 and 2022 when the after the Elite Eight round and then again after uh, that year where it was pretty successful until kind of the end, it sort of def- started to fall apart. But he was, you know... He got two contract extensions within a year because of the rumors swirling he was going to leave for somewhere else. And Mike Bones like, not happening. We're getting you an extension. So two of them within a year, I remember. Yeah, I mean, Nolan, you were talking about the balance on this team. Another defensive guy who had a phenomenal night, Kobe Johnson, a near triple-double. Nope, I read that wrong. 16 points and 8 rebounds, though, 4 steals. I mean, this team defensively is going to be fantastic. And then you add in Johnson getting 16. It's such a great start for a guy who I really think is going to take a leap this year and truly be that third star that everyone thinks he's going to be. I think he's already started to come into that. And last year, I think you saw him like, I remember, I would personally, I'll admit it, I wasn't too crazy about Johnson my freshman year. But after seeing him last year, the way he played, I was like, this guy's for real. He got a lot better during the offseason. So a lot of credit to Kobe Johnson. So I can't wait to see how he continues to grow from where he left off last year. So let's be real. The Trojans men's and women's teams cannot be Cinderella stories during March because no. they will be top seeds. They will be I'm thinking top three seeds for both. Of them. I, I was I'm thinking so top serious. three to four for, yeah. for both, especially for the women's team. I, th- I think it seems like it's far. pretty hard for power six school to kind of be a Cinderella story at, regardless of where they're at, just because. Of where they are. Even most mid-major programs, it seems like it's pretty hard for them to be it. Unless it's just they were kind of playing terrible all year, have one hot week, win their conference tournament, and then go really far in March Madness. That kind of seems like really the only way it could happen to a Power Six or mid-major conference program. Yeah, the, the Trojans won't be a, a Cinderella, that's for sure. They'll be, like you said, Terrence, top three, maybe top, top four seed. Whatever they are, which team has 
a higher likelihood of either going far, making a good run, or even winning at all, the men's or the women's team? I'm going to say women's. I think that overall, the talent on the women's side, I think that the Trojans are very balanced. And when you have a star like Juju Watkins in women's basketball, you really need that star. You see with Caitlin Clark, LSU and Angel Reese. I mean, like, they they have that star player in Juju Watkins. And then you have a great defender and overall scorer in Rhea Marshall backing her up. I think the Trojans, the women's uh, basketball team, has a la- higher likelihood of winning the national championship. I'm going to disagree with you, Terrence. I think the men's does. I think they're a bit more balanced all all around. I mean, you've got Joshua Morgan, you've got Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier, obviously, and then other guys too. I mean, DJ Rodman did all right, but hopefully he plays better too. But I think when you got a team like that, I feel like only the sky's the limit for them. So I'm going with the men's. I guess I'll have to break the tie here. I, I do agree with you, Crash. I think the men's team has more talent overall than this women's team. I think this men's team's starting lineup is just phenomenal. Every single player on that team mm-hmm. is a fantastic player. The thing is, with the women's team, I do think there's a bigger emphasis on having one big star player. I think for, for men's basketball, you can't get by with having one great player. You need a lot of great players in addition to phenomenal chemistry a bunch of experience you need a lot of things to win a men's tournament I think for a women's tournament the big thing is having one person that is just able to drop 30 what was it 32 points that 32, Juju had? Yeah, that's what 32 the- points that is the key for a women's team and especially her having her being the 1a and then having a 1b in Rhea Marshall I think that's the key to the women's team and I think this women's team can make a really really deep run with their 1a and 1b yeah. Well, both the Trojans are hopefully going to make uh, deep runs into March Madness. It really seems that way. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully the Trojans will take a dub this week at Oregon, uh, and we will see you next week.